Well, hello everyone. I'm just getting ready for church here on my computer as you will be here shortly after some church announcements. Coming up this month, July 19th, it'll be a Wednesday evening from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. That'll be our next family fun night. The kids always have so much fun. We set up some of our favorite bounce houses and we have our human foosball arena. You won't want to miss it. We serve hot dogs that night too, I believe, I hope. So yeah, uh, Wednesday, July 19th, this month, couple weeks from now, 5.30 to 7.30, bring your kids. Also, we really need volunteers to make that event possible. Uh, there should be a sign-up link on the app and the website. Uh, please sign up to help. Uh, talented, capable people volunteer for that. So, uh, you know, if you want to be talented and capable, volunteer for the family fun night. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple great apps for the church as well. There's the uh, normal church app, the main church app. That's where you can watch our services, get information on what's happening here at the vineyard. There's also the, uh, th that's got the grape logo with the white text. The other app is the white background, black text, Keys Virtual Church app. Uh, that's where you'll find my dad's uh, postscript group and online Bible study he's starting. So yeah, check those out, download them. And yeah, those are the announcements that I have. And as I'm ready for church, why don't you get ready for church? And let's let's do the thing together. You ready? Let's get ready for church. Woo! Everybody online, welcome. So glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop into our time of worship. We had a great time this morning, so looking forward to spending this time with you. Then we're continuing on in our series called Sword Sharpening. We're looking at Kingdom Rebellion today. The fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel. Get your Bibles, get to around Genesis 3, get a coffee, get comfy, get ready, because here we go. Woo! You guys are so good at that. <laughs> good morning, family. It is great to see your faces and hear your voices. We are looking forward to spending time with you all in worship and in the word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do this morning. In case you don't know the flow, we're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We will dismiss them off to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We are in sword sharpening part seven and it's super interesting and chock full of of like great awesome i bet there's stuff in there that you've never heard before so i'm really excited for you all to get in before we do any of that let's pray holy spirit would you come papa we ask that our praises this morning become your dwelling place. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together to celebrate and worship you, what you're doing, what you're going to do. We thank you for how you've been moving in our hearts and our lives this week, Papa, for stirring things up. for pressing us onward closer to you. Papa, we give you permission to mold and shape our hearts to look like your heart. To program your family attributes into us 
so that we can continue loving lost kids back into your family. Help us to be good hearers and receivers and applicators of your word this morning. Papa, help us to be more like you. We love you so much. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, we ask that the course of this world may be peaceably ordered by your providence, that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly and quiet devotion. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here this morning, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. Uh, We're going to come into our time of worship now, and I always try to encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices and to participate as we praise the Lord here in this place today. We're going to see the words on the screen so you can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Our God is unrivaled.
days all my life, Lord, so you can have it all. You're worthy, King Jesus, have it all.
why should I fear again? Oh, why should I fear? And all the evidence is here. We love you, Lord, and we are so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. God, you're good to us, Lord, and we love you. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. So excited to see you. Well, today's Bible story comes to us from the book of Matthew, and that's in the New Testament part of our Bibles. And right now, during this time, crowds are following Jesus everywhere he goes. I mean, if I was part of that crowd, I would have followed Jesus everywhere he goes too, right? You too? Yeah, right? Okay, so one day, Jesus goes up on a mountain And then he sits down and he begins to teach them about God's kingdom, about what it's like. And he says and starts to explain to them that God's kingdom, right? That God's um, kingdom is like, it's, well, God, okay, God blesses, he tells them, those who are sad, those who are poor, and those who are humble, and God also blesses those who are, I'm forgetting that. He blesses those who want to do what is right, are merciful, and those who have a pure heart. And then he tells them again, he blesses those who make peace and those who have been mistreated. And then he tells them how people who believe in Jesus should live like, right? He says that you, believers, are a light in a dark world. And he tells them, right, you don't light a lamp and then you hide it under a bowl. You don't do that, right? And in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus tells them, in the same way, let your light Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And then he tells them to follow God's laws for God's glory, not their own, and to love their enemies and pray for them. In all these things, Jesus is teaching us that he wants us to follow him and be like him. So this is a very important question, boys and girls. Will you shine your life for Jesus? Thumbs up? Yeah? Good. Good. I'm glad. Excellent. Good job. And now we're going to do the Bible verse together. Are you guys ready? 
Okay, so repeat after me. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Excellent work, everyone. Good job, kids. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And then Pastor Georgina will pray for them and will send them off to Children's Church. Okay, guys, ready? We're going to pray, okay? We're going to talk to the Lord. So let's bow our heads. Ready, guys? And close our eyes. Okay, good job. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day, Lord God. Thank you for how wonderful and fearfully you have made us, Lord God, and how well you take care of us, Lord. Father, we just pray that we are able to shine our light bright for you, Lord God, so that Others may see you in everything that we do and in everything that we say. And God's children say, Amen. 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 Yay. Amen. All right, kids, have a good time. Listen to your teachers, obey, and have fun. And do it all at the same time. So we're doing something a little different uh, because we get to dedicate a baby. So why don't you guys come on up? So here at the vineyard, we, um, we dedicate our small ones and then we baptize them when they're a little older. We think that's the pattern. Jesus was dedicated at the temple and then baptized much later on. So uh, we dedicate them right in here into the light. So keep coming this way. There we go. Oh my goodness. That is Yaretsi. Is that good? This is Daryl and Luce. And uh, hi, Yaretsi. Oh, my goodness. That's Evidence cute. Evidence of God's goodness. Evidence of God's goodness. All the kids. There was a, and it's really cool, too. There's a, I love these things, these bowls. There was a, the little girls all seem to be sporting those, and it's very pretty. Okay, so we dedicate our children. I've got to keep going here because I need to preach yet. Um, so a, a few questions for family and everybody and friends, and glad you guys are here as part of this. And so we dedicate our children to the Lord, and that's your desire. You want to dedicate Yaretsi. And um, as part of that, what I'm going to ask you to do is that um, uh, my hope is that, and I know you're going to do this, but you will love Yaretsi in such a way that it's always clear how much God loves her and what that looks like and how important that is. And the transition into knowing God's love will be simple because that's all your Etsy will have experienced in the course of life. And, um, and so will you guys agree to do that? We also agree uh, to uh, speak the word of God over her 
and, and to encourage and to bless and to train so that that also becomes a part of your Etsy's life. Will you do that as well? And as family standing up as well, and friends, will you take on the same thing and you're going to look out for your Etsy and do whatever you can to keep safe and, and love and bless? And yeah, you'll, you'll do all that as well. Very cool. Church. So we're all in this together, right? Uh, we, we've known for a long time. It takes a whole group to, to raise kids. And I would say, you know, for all the kids, that you keep an eye on them. Go out of your way to say an encouraging word and to bless and to encourage and to pray. And will you do that for your Etsy? Will you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Hi. Your Etsy bless you. Bless, 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 bless. And Father, we thank you for your Etsy. Your Etsy, we dedicate you to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the family, God. Bless the friends. Bless them all. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Good job. All right, thank you. Good job. We love those things. We did a baptism at Bay Honda yesterday. We baptized six, which was cool. But we also did a wedding while we were out there. Very sort of impromptu. Very cool. It was a little planned because I, they had to have a license. But still, uh, I love all the extra little things. I'm on the wrong side. It feels awkward. <laughs> you know that feeling? Yes, That's I do. Not right. I do. Yeah. got to have your spot. Are you got to have your spot. Things happening, so... That matters. That was fun. The wedding, the baby dedication. Oh, I got to push a button before they start telling me from upstairs to push a button. Ta-da! It changes the lights. There you go. Okay. Gets things ready. All at the push of a button. How fascinating. Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad to have you with us today. And uh, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, you can point your smart device at that code that just popped up, and you'll get a link to our digital connect card name, phone number, email. We would love to have that information. If you give us that, we will send you texts and emails for four or five weeks, pretty regular, and then that will taper off. We also have gifts for first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get one on your way in, stop by on your way out and grab a gift. Announcement-wise, we have a big event coming up on the 19th. We call it Family Fun Night. We do these once a quarter. We take the chairs out and put all our bounce houses in, invite the community in. It's on a Wednesday night from 5.30 to 7.30. The kids have a blast. We open up the food truck. We have have free hot dogs and ice cream and all that cool stuff. So um, let families know. It's a great night for families. And we need volunteers. Yes, we do. So uh, we need to pull that event off. It takes like 30 volunteers. So it's a a lot. Um, So if you can volunteer, that would be great. And there will be a link now on the app Mm -hmm. where you can say, I'll volunteer. And we would love to have you. That's July 19th, so it's coming up, but there's still a, 10 days away. Okay, we pray for our neighbors when we gather together. We do that to reinforce something we've asked you to do every day. Pray for the people who live right around you. This may be the most impactful ministry that all of us ever have. And so we encourage you to do it day after day after day. Think about a couple of your neighbors right now. Let's go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us to be good neighbors, God, to love our neighbors well. 
Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're continuing on in our series called Sword Sharpening, and uh, I'm going to hop right in there in just a minute. Got a lot of ground to cover today because we're going to try and get through eight chapters yeah. of the whole Bible. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But like, it's not, next week it's 38 chapters, and the week after that it's hundreds of chapters, well, but it's okay. Okay. But, yeah, okay. This is an amazingly intelligent group. They can this handle it. This is true. This is true. They can also handle the bad jokes. I heard... Yeah. I heard they just opened a new store. It's called Moderation. They have everything in there. Yeah, he get they some be, uh, no, I didn't Everything get in Moderation. Come it's on, it's hilarious. I shouldn't so have to bad. explain it. Well, that's how bad it is. You had to explain. Yesterday? Uh-huh. I accidentally swallowed some food coloring. That was dumb. Yeah, the doctor says I'm okay, but I feel like I died a little inside. Oh my. Do you need inner healing, honey? This, this one I really did for, for Alice, because this is true. So I, when I'm walking, I often talk to myself. I'm preaching a sermon. I have a lot of... Alice says I walk around and I'm doing hand gestures. I'm, I'm in it. He looks like a crazy person and walking I, through Venture Act. I tried to explain to her why I do that, I, is that sometimes I just need expert advice. There you go. Boom. Thank you, dear. Pray for us. Lead us in the reading of the Word. I will. Let's pray, shall we? Papa, we are so grateful for this day and for the time we have here and for everybody that you've gathered, Father. May we be blessed as we look into your word, Father. We thank you for being with us, for watching over us, Father, and for the evidence of your goodness in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word? The reading today is out of Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 3. And just as a side note, Genesis 3.15 is where the crimson thread of redemption starts, if you guys want to jot that one down. But we're going to go 1 through 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, for if you do, you will surely die. Blessed be the word of the Lord, y'all can sit. So part of me is up here thinking, I want to say, buckle up. <laughs> so what we're doing in this part of our series, I can't review the whole series even though I, I want to. Uh, it's about making the most of our time with the Bible. And right now, we're breaking the storyline of the Bible into eight sections because I need you to remember them to give you context for how the story works. Because most of us, we came into the story in Jesus, which is a great part of the story, don't get me wrong. But there's way more to the story, and for whatever reason, we never really connect to the rest of the story to this. And when you can connect the entire storyline of the Bible to what's going on, the good news gets gooder. And I, I want that to happen for you. And so I've got these eight sections I've chunked the Bible up into to sort of give you a flow for the story. And I think we can remember the eight sections. Last week we did number one, which I called Kingdom Revealed. And it was the, the heart of God for what He wanted. And it's all in Genesis 1 and 2. And, and the way to remember that, I hope you remember, it's like a cosmic temple. 
And, and, and God made a place where the heavenly realms and the earthly realms connect and where he is and where we are, his human family. And we introduced the divine family as well last week, the Elohim. And, and God's heart was that we would all dwell together enjoying one another and him enjoying us on this planet and that we would partner with him to make the whole planet like Eden. That is the heart of God. It remains the same. But things changed because of what we're going to talk about today, which is rebellion. And um, we rebel, and parts of the divine family rebel, and it causes massive problems. God never gives up on his plan. We're going to get back there. This last section that we'll look at is the kingdom consummated in the last two chapters of Revelation. It comes, it's all comes back. But we're working through this process of things that happen. And what I want you to remember in this kingdom rebellion is three things. Three things you need to remember. The fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. All right? All events of rebellion. And I did a series not that long ago called The Fight. I think I take eight weeks to get through those three things, and we're going to do it in about 15 minutes. So it will be a condensed version. But if you need more, go watch The Fight series. And remember, I'm just trying to give you an overview so that if you can think of these eight sections, you can know the bigger story and how everything fits, and it will really help your enjoyment of what's going on in the Bible. So let's talk about the fall. This is the first part of the rebellion. And what we find out at the fall, as we begin to read in Genesis 3, is that um, this God's plan for the human family and the divine family and everything to happen, some of the Elohim, the little E Elohim, the divine family, they don't like God's plan. We know at least one in particular is not happy with his plan. And what this one bad Elohim decides to do is to trick, which he's very successful at, um, the human representatives into doing what they're not supposed to do. And it looks like his hope is that God will say, okay, it was a bad plan and just wipe out humanity. All right? And, and the enemy's going to be successful to a point. He doesn't get all that he wants, but he does make a radical change in the things that are happening. And, and so this evil Elohim um, appears to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. Don't get overly hung up here. People get stuck. Well, it was a talking snake. Um, it was, this is, literature has a lot of symbolic things in it. It was a serpent, uh, and it was one of these evil, they knew that they, they already had interaction, the divine family and the human family. This wasn't weird. And so they knew what was going on, and they knew something was happening, all right? And the, the reason I, I think you need to get it, it was a serpent, snaky thing, is that the enemy, when he's speaking, you need to sort of have that voice. It will help you say no to the enemy, all right? Because that horrible thing, right? So this is what happens in Genesis 3. Let me read a little bit more of uh, the story. Alice read you the first three verses, but I'll pick it up here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made because he was this Elohim. He was different than the wild animals. He said to the woman, did God really say, that's my snake voice, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. 
The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Make sure you see that. A lot of people want to lay this whole thing uh, mess on Eve. That very... Exactly what it says there is what's going on in the Hebrew. Husband who was with her. He wasn't off. This didn't happen without him knowing. He was there. They did. They got into this thing together. And the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the story goes on and you'll, you'll see the consequence, the intense consequence for them deciding to go their way instead of God's way. For listening to the enemy and doing what they shouldn't do. Uh, because there's consequences for rebellion. And that's at the heart of this story. And the consequence, everything radically changed. People say, well, they didn't die. Spiritually, they died. That, that's what's happening. Everything changed. The spirit of death, uh, the, the power of death enters the scene at that point that wasn't there before. So absolutely, that's what happens. And, and everything is different. They All of a sudden, they realize they're naked. Shame piles all over them. They hide. The, everything about the relationship has changed. And in effect, the consequence is that God kicks him out of the cosmic temple. That's what happens. You can read about that going on. He also, he exiles, in effect, he, he sort of casts the serpent out of his present, uh, presence and, and gets him out of there. Uh, and, and so we see these results from this rebellion. And the message is pretty clear. There, the consequences for rebellion. And significant consequence for rebellion. You would think that people would get the idea, and they don't. Because it gets worse. You go, worse than that? Yeah, the flood comes. And the flood, a lot of people struggle with the flood and what's going on. And let me, so I'm, I'm quickly trying to explain Genesis 6. This is very fast for really what's happening here. It says, When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, now remember it's important because you read that and go sons of God, but that's Elohim. That's the word, the little e Elohim. That's divine family. That some go astray. That's them. They saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. That's a problem. And the Lord said, "My spirit will not contend with humans forever, uh, for they're mortal. Their days would be a hundred and twenty years." Let me get back to that in a moment. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and your translation may say the giants were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God, Elohim, went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. People read that, and they can't connect with it at all, so they just forget that it's in the Bible. Giants in the Bible? Well, there's that one that David gets. Who, Nephilim. Who in the world are the Nephilim? Where did they come from? What's going on? What's happening? And you can't skip over that stuff. It's a big part of the story. And so what you find out is that the daughters of men, they were beautiful. That's part of this picture. And there's a connection there back to the fall. So remember the fall? The human family um, was tempted by the divine family, the evil family, but something that was beautiful to look at, and they went for it. Now it's, it's the opposite in that the divine family are being tempted by the beautiful human family, and they do what they are not supposed to do. 
that wasn't supposed to happen, that, that they would begin to produce um, these giant offspring, which is what they were having, the Nephilim, by their actions. And it was horrific. And this infiltration, if you would, of, I, I was thinking about it, of sort of this giant blood ruins humanity. It spreads everywhere, takes humanity out. That's the issue that God is dealing with. His human family is destroyed by what the Elohim get up to in sort of rejecting God's family and trying to imitate God, which is what the enemy does. They create their own. But there will never be children. They're like slaves forever. And God has to deal with this. It's a, it's a problem that needs to be dealt with. And the flood is the solution to that problem. Genesis 6-7. The Lord said, I'll wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created, uh, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Better translation would be there, I'm grieved. And gr- grief is different than anger. Grief is God is heartbroken. You need to know that. God, God's desire is for family. I've said that last week lots of times. And this family that he desires has chosen to go their own way. And it breaks God's heart. And the Elohim, the spiritual family, have infiltrated and messed up humanity to the point where everything they think about and do is what the scripture said. They're evil constantly. And so the solution is the flood because it's a reset so it's a cosmic reset. That's what you need to think about the flood. And you can track that back to Genesis 1-2. We looked at last week. Remember how when things were happening in the beginning, the waters covered the earth, and then the, they dried and the earth came? We're going to go back. We're going to do a reset. We're going to cover the earth again. However, we're going to save uh, in an ark some representatives of everything. So it's, it's a reset, but there's, a, there's some people that are saved. Who's in the book? Noah. And, and uh, his wife, Noah's three sons, and their three wives, and animals of all kinds, right? To pairs of animals. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of the time, and he walked faithfully to God. Noah had uh, chosen to stay away from the giant mess. So for people at the time, it was a way to get to become someone of renown and to go. It was a mess. Noah had, no, we're going to walk with God. So we have Noah as a representative. He's a righteous man, and, and God's going to use him and his family to keep his plan moving forward, because he never lets go of his plan. We're going to get to it at the end. And so you know this part of the story. God's going to build an ark. Uh, Noah's going to build an ark for God, and the process will take 120 years. So I think this explains better for some Genesis 6-3. The Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever for their mortal. Their days will be 120 years. A lot of people have read that and see, well, that's where God's getting tired of people. And they used to live 800, 900, 1,000 years. This is where he says, no, we're going to cut it to 120. It's not really what's happening because after the flood, they still live for hundreds of years. What he's saying is, from this day when I commissioned this ark... Mankind has 120 years to repent. It's a picture of God's mercy. God's merciful. God doesn't want this. God wants people to be in relationship with him. And Noah is the preacher of righteousness. And he's got a great thing to talk about as he starts building this huge ship in the middle of a desert where there's no water. And we don't even know that if it's ever rained. And people are going by, what are you doing, Noah? And he can tell them. And they have an opportunity to all and repent. But none of them listen. None of them. And the flood happens, and there's a cosmic reset. Noah and his family are saved, and the animals. And you can go and read all of that story, Genesis 6, 7, 8. We get to Genesis 9, and there's a this commission that God originally gave to Adam and Eve. He gives now to 
Noah and his family. Blesses Noah and his son says, be fruitful and increase in number and what? Fill the earth. It's the same original vocation. Here's what, okay, reset. Now go and do what, what was supposed to happen with Adam and Eve. Brand new start. Very cool. Very happy about that. There's another rebellion. It's, it's, it happens again. And that third rebellion is known as the Tower of Babel. And how you, how you know that this is rebellion, because God said to Noah's descendants, let's go, we're going to fill the planet. Go, I want you to go. We're going to make the planet like what I want. And what we read is they don't do that. They all hang together in one spot. They have one language, and they don't spread out. They group up. And they decide that they're going to, they don't need God's plan. They're going to make their own. Genesis 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. Instead of keep going, they all settle in this plain. And they say to one another, let's make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. God, that God, He wants us dispersed, and we don't want to. We want to hang out together in this one spot. So we don't need God. We're going to make our own heaven and earth connection in this temple, and we'll just do what we want to do. Well, that's a big problem, because once again, they're rebelling against the things that God wants them to do. Remember, God, God wants life, full life for us. When, when God says no to something, it's because it's not good for us. Not because, oh, he's trying to keep something from us. That's not the heart of God. It's just not what's good for us and the enemies involved in it and twisted it in some way. So the response at the Tower of Babel actually happens in Genesis 10. And we get so stuck on reading that we think everything is chronological and is not. Genesis 10 is actually the response of the Tower of Babel. Because when you look in Genesis 10, you'll see what God does is he uh, separates the nations, and he divides them amongst amongst yeah, the sons of God, the Elohim, into 70 nations. And you can go read that in Genesis 10. It lists them. And what he said is, fine, this is God. You, you have continuously rebelled against me and done what you shouldn't do. And what you're saying is you don't want me. Okay. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to say yes to that you don't want me and I'm going to give you to the Elohim, the divine family and they're going to be in charge of you and I'm going to step back from you. I'm going to keep one nation for myself. That's what we'll be talking about next week. That's Abraham. But you can see that in Deuteronomy 32 when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance when he divided mankind he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Elohim is in there. And, and the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, Israel, his allotted heritage. He'll keep one nation from himself. And so he sets these 70 nations and he just says, okay, go. Well, the Elohim, we don't know how long it takes, but they're, they all corrupt bad and they make a mess of everything. Bad mess. And that's still going on today. These are the, when we talk about powers and principalities and rulers, these are these Elohim who were given control or charge over the 70 nations, and they've all been corrupted, every single one of them. And they're, they're behind all of the mess that happens in all of our institutions all over the world. Everything that's happening, you can look, you can see it. It doesn't need conspiracy theory. It's here in this epic story. This is what's going on. And you can see it. 
And you, well, and even though Jesus has come and He's defeated sin and He's defeated death at the cross, they have not yet surrendered. They're defeated the enemy, but they're going to cause as much trouble as they can until Jesus comes back. But you need to be aware of it, and you need to know what's going on. That's what's happening. And so these these nations have been separated. The Elohim have them. They're horrific. They they're corrupted. They do a horrible job. And eventually, God's going to step in and judge them as well, and he's going to take the nations back for himself. And we read about this in the psalm, Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. That's where the divine family is. In the midst of the gods, little g, that's the fallen Elohim. He holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? This is him telling them, what, what have you done? Give justice to the weak. This is God's heart. And to the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. That's what God wants for his family. Because the weak, uh, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding and they walk about in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And God says, you are God's little G. You're the divine family. Son of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. That's the judgment against them. And then at the heart, what we're looking for is this is arise, O God. El Elohim. The Elohim above all Elohims. And judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. It's all part of the promise. That's what's going to happen, right? So the 70 are set free. He keeps one, and through that one, he's going to take and bring everybody back in Jesus. Now, I know that's a lot of information. So there's like eight sermons on that in the fight, (laughs) if you need clarification. (laughs) But I think you got it. I just got to hold the story together. And next week it's called Kingdom Covenant. We're going to introduce Abraham and his family and see what God is going to do. But I want to say this real quick. Three minutes. Give me three more minutes. Of the rebellion, there's not going to be another flood because God promised. We don't have to worry about that. There's not going to be another Tower of Babel because I can never see us getting that united ever (laughs) about anything. In fact, we're so far at the other end of that it's a non-issue. But the fall, what I would submit to you is that the fall is sort of replayed in all of our lives constantly because we have a very real enemy who comes and tempts us with things that look good and we think we might get some of them, might have some wisdom for us and, and the enemy says, ooh, you'd like that. <laughs> It's not a very good snake voice, but it's all I got. Look, this is why knowing the Bible is so important. This is what I'm getting to. Why you have to... Is that the only chance you have against that attack is when the enemy says, Did God really say? Say? You know the answer. Not because you have other opinions. Not because of anything else. Because you've hung out in this book. And you know what God says. You have to do that. You have to do it for yourself. There's no shortcut to that. You have to know what he says in his word because that's the only thing you have to stand on in those attacks. And you can't base it on the opinions of anybody or any culture or anything because often it's contrary to what the word of God says. And you have to go, no, no, because that's what the enemy will say. Think about it. He says it all the time. Did God really say? You have to know. Adam and Eve didn't get it. And they had God tell them what was right, and they said, eh, 
when the enemy said, did he really say? They knew what the answer was, but all of a sudden they wanted what they wanted. That describes sin. Look, here's the good news of this. The enemy uses these same tricks over and over and over again because they work almost all the time. It's called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's listed in 1 John. It's exactly what he did at the fall. He go, go look. He looks and some looks good, you know, tastes good, desirable for wisdom. Boom, they fall for it. He tries it again later on in the temptations with Jesus. The exact same ones, right? He, he, he uh, says, you're hungry, Jesus, turn this into bread, right? And Jesus unknown, that's not how it works. And he takes him up so he can see everything. I'll give it to you. It's the lust of the eyes. That's not how it works. Throw yourself down, he says. Because, you know, if God's got you, God's got you. It's the pride of life. You know, if you are God, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Same three. Why didn't they work on Jesus? And you got the enemy. If you go and read the temptation, the enemy is actually quoting Scripture out of context to Jesus. But Jesus knows a word. He is a word, so of course he knows it. But that's where he stands, and he doesn't give in to that. Look, you have to know what the word says. You have to struggle with what the word says. If you're, if you're, it's a, it's, it's a sword. It's sharp. It cuts. It will cut you. It should. Because you are not, you don't have it all together yet. Everybody know that? You ain't got it all figured out? I hope so. We don't. And we have to struggle with this book. We have to struggle with God. Ask Holy Spirit to show us what the heart of God is and what He means and how we're, and He will. But you have to do that. You have to embrace it for yourself because that's what you stand on and that's when you begin to find life. And every time the enemy comes in and says stuff and you say no, it's the reversal of the fall. It's, the, it's like, yay. It's a victory because you can stand on the Word. That's why we got to know it. That's why you've got to memorize and sort of remember the story. Because once you see how it all fits, it all begins to make sense. Okay? All right. That's enough for today. Ministry team. Why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there are here to... Ah. They're here to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. But let me say this. Everything starts by responding to Jesus' invitation to join him in his story. Because of what he's done at the cross, he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he invites us in his story. We just say yes. It's, he's done the work. Our, ours is a heart response. It just says, yes, I want to be with you, God. I want to do it your way, God. And so if you've never said a, a simple prayer of faith, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Please do it now. Best decision you will ever make in your life. You become part of his story. It changes everything. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? Amen. Good word, honey. I loved about the struggle, struggling with the word and struggling with God, because that's what relationship often is defined by, right? We struggle, and we get to know each other, and we get closer. God's not a set of rules. It's a relationship. Anyway, if you need prayer for anything, like Steve said, our ministry team is getting ready to pray for you over there. It's the ministry part of our, our service. And um, I did have one thing during worship, and I, I uh, was praying, and I felt like the Lord showed me someone that suffered a, a, a loss. It's a, a spouse, the loss of a spouse. And I don't know if you're in the room or if you're watching, but it's crushed you. And, and the Lord wants you to know that he has a special grace over your life right now, and that he's surrounding you and holding you up. So know that he's close to you, even if you don't feel it, 
even if you don't see it, there is evidence of his goodness in your life today. So if that's for you, I hope you're encouraged. Amen. 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 Good word. Thank you. Yeah, very cool. Okay, what do we got? Thank you, church, for your generosity. We love partnering with you. Thank you for your faithfulness to your giving, tithing, offering. Bless you for all of that. We get to do so many cool things, not only here, but all over the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And uh, let's see, ministry team is over there. I think all I have left is doxology, right? Okay, go. Brand, lone That's okay. They'll be, he'll be joined in a minute. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Uh, Have a nice day out there. Try and stay not too hot. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thank you online for watching. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day wherever you are. We'll be in, starting in Genesis 12 next week. Kingdom Covenant, I call that part. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for being with us today, guys. We love you, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.